Hey, welcome back to Across the Pond, a Premier League podcast hosted by those on this side of the pond. Back from international break, y'all. We got Thanksgiving holiday coming up. I don't know if they celebrate that over in the UK, Charmin, but you'll have to fill us in. You got Chris here in D.C., Peter across town in D.C., Jacob, I think also in the D.C. area, maybe maybe for a little bit longer. We'll see. And then Charmin down in Atlanta. How is everyone doing today? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, you know, I mean... I'm sad. Like I was thinking about it today. Like I, I watched that video of all, like the interview that he did, and it was a bit. At first, I thought it would be a bit cheesy, Wait, but like he? at the end, who's when he? I he? think oh, it's sorry. weird. No, that's a weird, a yeah. weird, weird social was, media ploy. It was. Yeah, I mean, it it, it could have been that, and you know, it's United, so it's just like the social media company doing something. But at the end, when he like teared up, I was like, I felt a bit sad that it ended this way for him because you know we all know it was uh he was never the right he was never qualified for this type of job and he did what he did and there was bad moments in it i'm sorry it ended this way for those for those listening we're talking about ole gunner solskjaer sacked at manchester united if you haven't seen the news already um and I'm, i'm sorry peter that i'm smiling it's just more like we've talked about this guy at united we've talked about united's problems all season and the first match after an international break, losing to Watford and then getting sacked, it, to me is just immediately strikes me as the most reactionary thing you could possibly do. I mean, like, why weren't why weren't these thoughts had two weeks prior after the losses to Liverpool, the draw to Everton, loss to City, and other results? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's yeah, Peter. I mean, that's just it. Even they, even though they've made the right decision in stacking him, it was completely mishandled and botched, whether it was from the video that Peter talked about, which just felt odd, like an, like a living obituary to, 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 to a man who's about to get the ax, uh, to not doing it, the timing, losing out on, on Conte. And that was an argument, Chris, when Liverpool sacked Brendan Rodgers, why Miles and I were sort of against it. But, you know, we didn't want Rodgers to go. It wasn't totally his fault, but you had this great person waiting in the wings to kind of revolutionize this club. Now we have to wait the rest of the season to see what's going to happen. You're going to have a caretaker manager and I'm concerned about, you know, what commitments they'll get for the following season. There's just so much that could change between now and then Uh, they could fall outside of European places. People like Ten Hag or other candidates could get recruited to go elsewhere or just decide to pass on Manchester United. You know, we'll have to see what happens next. Uh, who do you want, Peter? Before we, we kind of talk about the what could happen, you know, we we kind of we've been talking about it for years. Like this club is ran terribly. The person making the decisions uh, for firing the manager is a guy who has no experience in the sport. Like he's good at uh, the commercial side of everything, but making any footballing decisions, he's done poor at. Every managerial decision has been redundant, and. The only, and even you you said it best, like this is a reactionary decision, but appointing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after we like somehow beat PSG was a completely reactionary decision. So, um, I, yeah, so I, I just don't know what's, what's going to happen. I, I hope there's some sort of reset at the club. 
and um, you know they can, uh, you know, I mean, they can just find a manager that is uh, just has a, a sense of like uh, tactics. You know, that's what this team kind of needs. This team needs someone that's telling them how to play. Like De Gea in his interview literally said, "We don't know how to play." That was literally what I was about yeah. to bring up. When your goalkeeper is saying that your players didn't know what to do with the ball, they don't know how to defend. Let's say De Gea had a horrible game, by the way. Like, Peter, you two must pens, have... though. Yeah, two okay, pens. yes, yeah. two pens, but that was in the first, what, yeah. few minutes, you know? Yeah. But after that, he had a shocker as well. And I think that it was interesting to see him open up and talk about, you know, how they had no idea of defending and then the irony is they're speaking about that in their media interview but then they get on twitter and they talk about how grateful they are for all yeah, and but, I think that was kind of ironic because you know if you're I making those you. comments in the post game that's got to be towards your coach as well so it's funny that they suddenly get behind the legend after they've thrown him under the bus a little bit in their post game interviews i hear you but i mean it's just a respectful thing you know i think I would rather them do that than to just be like, hear nothing or do like, you know, if it was Mourinho, do just say nothing and be happy about it. Like, I, I, I genuinely think that, you know, it was, it was it was both like they like Oli was not the right person. Like, I mean, there's so much so many crazy things were leaking over the last month happening at this club. Like, you know, there's a story in The Athletic about basically they had a meeting and it was really quiet and awkward. And he was like lads what's the problem and one of the players allegedly eric by was like you it's you you're the problem Shit. but they still want to succeed and these guys look in a terrible state of mind so well, you know uh, i give I them said ole is letting the players off the hook in, in this debacle because i think they're just as much to blame as he is sure he didn't set them up with great structure but could you say that the performances that they put in week in week out did him any favors mcguire has been dreadful yeah. uh Bruno, absolutely nightmare. I mean, De Gea, yeah. all he's done. So, but but Jacob, that's also another problem that Ollie did. He was terrible at squad management. Donnie Van de Beek, the player that uh, was a Ballon d'Or candidate two years ago, has like until uh, the game against Watford, Dan J- Daniel James had played more minutes for Man United this season than he has. He would, he you know, Bruno Fernandez, he would never rest him. Harry Maguire, you know, after the Leicester, before the Leicester game, he was injured and he had one day of training and then started him instead of Baye. Like those. Well, let me rephrase. Yeah. Let me rephrase. He, uh, the fact that Ole was so bad is covering up a lot for how bad the players also were. Let's say, to put it in another way, that the players. I, I hear that, but I, I disagree. I mean, I hear that the players are all, like, you know, that's the results are there. The players are bad, but I disagree with the notion that like, these players are inherently bad players. I think okay, any well, manager... Peter, defend, defend Harry Maguire's red card I'm, for me and tell I'm, me how Ole is responsible for that one. I'm not going to defend it. He's in a terrible run of form. He's, yeah, he's awful. Like, yeah. he's, like he's, he's, you know, it's terrible. But, but I'm also like, why was he one of the best defenders in the league last season? Why, why does, you know, another... Why, why does this other player perform better with his international club. I'm just saying like, yes, this, there are, Harry Maguire is not a good defender and it was a mistake spending that much money on him, but a better manager gets 20% out of these players. Antonio Conte does. So it's just like, I don't know. I get like, when it's just like the Roy Keane thing or any of these men, any of these pundits that just say the players are bad, it takes away from the manager. And 
it's well, they, uh, they had no they had no coaching no no management no one telling them so that, was a, that was a really good quote on um match of the day like the equivalent of you know game zone or whatever and they talked about how if these players are as good as they should be and they're paid as much money as they should be they should still perform and be a quality unit and want to play for their fans even if they've given up hope on the manager even if they're not inspired by their manager they're paid enough money and they should grateful enough you know for their job as well and the fact that they're a professional football player to play for their fans even if they're not playing for the manager you know so I don't think I get what you're saying with you know the manager having a big influence on the ability of these players in the action but at the end of the day they're pro soccer players and they should be good enough week in week out regardless of who's leading them you know but it's but it's a slippery slope it's a a slippery slope though right like they're coming back from international break all these players are all across the world they come back to camp to a manager who they no longer believe in anymore. They don't have any grounding tactically. They don't, I mean, as said earlier, like some of the players didn't even know their role on the field. Like you have no stake in the ground to build from. And once he loses the locker room, you know, which it sounds like at least for a few players, Donnie, Bailly, and maybe some others, like it's a slippery slope. And, and once that toxicity gets in, like, these players can't can't group, can't even group together. It's just like a group of individuals at that point out on that field. And what do you guys think was the war? I mean, we've now gone through four managers post Ferguson. We're searching for Mister Wright or Mrs. Wright. It could be a, a female for for all we know. I mean, couldn't put put it past the the Woodward to do something that no one can see coming. But who was the the worst out of all of these? LVG, Moyes, Jose, or Ole? Statistically, it was probably Ole. Ole, I mean, not Ole, you guys, Ole. As a fan, the two and a half years of Mourinho, just the, the toxicity at the club were, were really bad. I mean, it's bad now, but, you know, I, I would go between those two. You left feeling with sympathy for Ole versus just being, you know, glad that Mourinho is just a, a person that you can't get behind, you know? Like mm-hmm. you said, Peter, you still felt something in your heart watching him, you know, with his baby blue sad mm-hmm. eyes. Do you... well, I feel the worst. Well, I thought the worst. Sorry, Chris. I felt the worst was definitely uh, Louis Van Gaal because I felt sorry for Moyes. That's a tough act to follow, you know, Ferguson. And Jose did win a trophy. And Ole, you know, never should have probably gotten the job to begin with. But LVG, with everything he's achieved in his career, with the pair of balls he had, I mean, I thought they played definitely the worst football yeah. under him of all the other managers. Yeah, perhaps. But again, as I said earlier, every managerial appointment has been redundant. LVG hadn't been a club manager in like four years. They, they, they gave yeah. him way too much control. We, the spending, we, you know, we, we don't talk about it. Like United spend money all, all the time, you know, only spent, you know, like what, like 200 million in his three years, but it's all even more, but all the signings have been, like without a plan and that's and that kind of leads to this you know imbalance in the team so it's all I mean there's moments of like positivity but then when you do like a deep dive like a 10-year look of United it's it's really (laughs) it's really dark in terms of just every aspect of the club do you fear now Peter you know just given the track record of hires at United and given the personnel at United right now, I'm talking Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United right now, do you fear that like the next managerial appointment, one that's more permanent, if somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo stays, is sort of dependent on like 
who is Ronaldo willing to play for? Like, do you fear that that type of thought is going through the board's mind? Oh, a little bit, actually. That's a good point. I was actually reading that um, Jorge Mendez, you know, Cristiano, was, he's like one of the biggest, you know, agents in the sport. And he, he's worked, you know, he's basically like outsourced United's transfer recruitment over the past like a couple of years, you know, like Juan Mata, Di Maria, Falcao, etc. And he was, uh, the, you know, there's all these stories of different managers being leaked and Julian Lopetegui and then the, the sporting Lisbon manager were both leaked. And it was definitely connected to him, who was Cristiano's agent. So, of course, like, I mean, he's it's a similar situation like LeBron James. If he was in a terrible situation, the guy has control to be like, look, we need hmm. something while I'm here or I will leave. And one thing I, uh, I can like I'll wrap on, Jacob, you asked me who I would want. I, I want this to manifest. I, I, I'm concerned it won't, but the like big rumor is that Pochettino is genuinely unhappy at PSG. He tried to leave a year ago, actually, to come back to Spurs. PSG is a very political club, and his family lives in the UK. And like it may, and there's there's a chance that United may, you know put an offer, pay his buyout clause and see what happens there. And then there's a, like this a scenario where Zidane goes to PSG. So hmm. that would be like, honestly, the best situation that could happen. But, you know, past <laughs> the past uh, seven, eight years, it's been not a great decision. So, you know, we'll see what that. There's obviously going to be some time before we see a permanent manager take over at Manchester United, but Manchester United playing Villarreal this week in Champions League, Peter, under Carrick, Michael Carrick. I'm curious, you know, what do you think is going to happen with this squad, you know, throughout the rest of the season? Are we going to see similar tactics to, uh, you know, what Ole was, was doing? I mean, Carrick's managed under Carrick played, I mean, you know, he was playing up until like the Jose era. And then he was Jose's assistant during like the, maybe like the last season. So he's been the assistant, but I, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I see him on the side. He list. also helped out at Reading, right? Like he was he, the defensive he, trainer at Reading. Oh, really? For a while. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. That, that, that gives an interesting perspective, but, um, I don't know, you know, because like on the sideline, he's just looking at his iPad often. I he's got good just, tech game. <laughs> and we saw a similar thing happen with Arsenal a couple when they fired Emery and they didn't know who they were going to appoint, and they just gave the job to Freddie Lundberg for um, like three or four games. And in that time, you know, it, they dropped a lot of points. So I just, I just don't know. I mean, I just imagine. I hope the players kind of individually pull themselves together. But I see it maybe more instruction than um, but a similar style of play to how we've, you know, usually played. So who knows? It'll, I, that's, be, it'll, who knows it'll be Cristiano answer. Ronaldo. We'll be doing it all. I mean, he's pretty much running and dominating the team and sucking up all the oxygen anyway. So it's a natural fit. And we saw he did a great <laughs> job when Portugal won the, won the Euros, maybe. <laughs> see him clapping on the sideline. Stepping stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, I think on the bookies odds, he was up there for, um, <laughs> as like a player coach, which is actually hilarious. Put, I'm putting myself <laughs> in, so I'm, I'm keeping myself on the field. Yeah. Uh, what, what about expectations though, Peter? I mean, do, do expectations mm-hmm. for you change at all this season now at all? Like, do, I mean, do they shift? I, you know, I don't really know where expectations have been for most United fans over the last couple months, but like now I'm curious, like, you know, wh- what is, what is the bare minimum 
Yeah. I mean, my expectations initially at the beginning were challenge for the league and it, and at least get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. That was one of my expectations with the players, with the squad that we had. Now it is top four and um, just, you know, get the, just get some momentum and get uh, again. And that's, that's really it. And then just reassess and see what happens, to be honest. For context, y'all, United sit in eighth right now with 17 points, but just six points out of fourth. So we'll have to see, you know, what happens this week with Carrick taking over the team. Again, United play Champions League midweek against Villarreal. Uh, so check that out. Um, but we've got more on the way, y'all. We've got new managers in the Premier League, some familiar faces. We got Prediction League, Champions League, Everton losing a lot of games and more shortly after the break. Yeah, I got a red card on my co-ed game on Sunday, and I was like, damn, I'm wild. Oh, you got a red beater? Okay. okay. Was it straight red? What did you Yeah, mean? man. Dogzo? What did you straight say? red? No. Like, honestly, I just mistimed a tackle on this guy. And it's going like, to be pretty bad to get wow. a red card. That's Sunday. pretty bad. Co-ed? Oh my Damn. God. Yeah, no, yeah, they have the no slide rule. Sounds and like an Isaiah was, Stewart, LeBron James situation. It was literally that. <laughs> I'm going to need you to wear a GoPro next game. I felt <laughs> terrible. I was like, not, oh man, I was not, I felt genuinely bad for that because my team, it was a championship and we lost uh, oh, like five to one. Yeah. Stumped up. Peter getting his Harry Maguire on y'all. We are back though. We got new Premier League managers in, but also. I, I'm pretty sure Dean Smith just walks out the door at Villa and walks straight into Norwich. He just hopped in the car, drove straight there. Both So Dean Smith in at Norwich, Steven Gerrard coming from Rangers to replace Dean Smith at Aston Villa, and then Antonio Conte had his first home match with Tottenham this weekend. All three managers won this weekend. Dean Smith and Steven Gerrard debuts, so already off to a good start. Two of those teams... I mean, are, are in the relegation fight right now. What, what do y'all expect from, from any of these new managers at this point? I know we're only a game in. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of managerial changes at this time of the year. There's room to completely revolutionize your season. So uh, I have high expectations for, for Steven Gerrard. And you know, I didn't watch a game. I only saw the highlights. But immediately what jumped out to me uh, beforehand was just the way he set up the team. 4-3-3, it's the same thing that he was doing at, at Rangers. And then deploying Ollie Watkins on the left side of a three as he was used in Brentford to great effect. And, and then playing Buendia, you know, in part of that three rather than kind of sitting in the hole, getting away from that 4-4-2. Then you have a front line of, of in, with Ings in the middle. It's a very good forward line. And, and the goals show for it, those counterattacking goals. So I'm excited to see, you know, the style of play that he can bring to the Premier League. Admittedly, I didn't watch, you know, Tons of Celtic, the odd European match uh, here or there. Yeah. Rangers. I'm really excited to see. Sorry, Rangers. Yeah. yeah well, I didn't watch a lot of Celtic oh, matches either. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, pardon me. 
a slip of the tongue. No, I didn't watch a lot of Rangers matches, uh, but I'd be interesting to see what type of money he can bring into the squ- uh, has to bring players into the squad. They've been linked with Alfredo Morales, kind of the the center forward type that that he would like and can make that team more versatile. Very yeah, exciting. I, I'm a big fan of Stephen Gerrard, and I'm a fan of his passion as well. I think it's exciting to always watch him and like the way he responds and. Yeah. Um, I was reading an article just the other day. You guys know he banned tomato ketchup from yeah. um, the dining room. Like he's taking it seriously, man. Those are the changes to make. But it, it's good to see him stamp his authority on early. Like things like that might sound ridiculous, but he's trying to already kind of set his standards. And it's on and off the pitch, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of the time we talk about managers and what they're doing on the pitch, but it's important to see what they're doing off the pitch in terms of like the mentality of having the players on the same page with nutrition and all of these little things that can make a big difference like I think we underestimate and think that all professional soccer players are like athletes and care about their diet and their nutrition and things like that but a lot of the time they don't necessarily and taking care of that can take you to the next level I mean what is it Berbatov that smoked 40 cigarettes a day or something like that you know like but little things like that can make a huge Rati difference to you know Etienne Capoue yeah. like yeah but I mean Conte also banned uh what do you ban carbonated drinks at Spurs that was yeah, like I think his it's soda decision. and ketchup as well. Condiments. What's wrong with condiments, man? A lot of a lot of calories yeah. in condiments, you know, yeah, in your yeah. sauces. You know, be careful out there. To your point, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what Gerard can do at Villa. You know, I actually think out of all of the kind of like quote unquote players of the of the last decade that are now in management, he's the most equipped to do better because he had those three years at Rangers and each year, no, I mean, he got them to kind of get back to winning the league again, but he also was performing pretty well in Europa League. Even this season, I watched, I would watch a couple of their Europa League games because uh, they were in a group with uh, Salzburg. And yeah, I mean, they look like, a t- like he looks like they have a plan out there, you know? So Villa is a good, it's a good uh, match for him. They have a lot of money to spend. And um, I think the chairman of villa was uh he was the former chairman of liverpool so they have that connection there too so yeah i mean it should be a good uh you know good choice for him and their expectations this season are like a mid-table finish or or maybe getting towards europe if they could would be a huge success for them absolutely i mean jared was essentially pretty much a coach for most of his you know career anyway from about 25 onwards you know he was the captain in the center yeah. of that field really directing traffic and, and leading that team i um, mean he's sort of tailor made for it maybe more than any of these other managers you know or sorry players maybe maybe john terry eventually could could turn into something decent um i'm also kind of surprised uh you know i thought norwich were bottom of the table but i guess they're still in second at the bottom there it is much tighter than i thought so dean smith getting a win you know norwich having two wins in a row if they string something together here, they could pull themselves out. It is tight. Only four points separating 14th to 18th. So with, with some favorable fixtures coming up, you know, Norwich playing uh, Wolves gets a tough one, but then got Newcastle and Manchester United on the 11th of December. Sorry, Peter. Uh, we, we could see what happens. What I think is cool about Norwich is, right, the last time I was on the pod, we were talking about, I think they scored two goals in their entire season, right? And we were mocking the fact they didn't have much to celebrate. The fact they scored two goals in their last two games, like each, 
is yeah. a big deal. Like you can, you can, you can snigger, but it's an improvement. You know, when you go your entire season, not finding the back of the net, and then you can finish twice within 90 minutes consecutively. That's something that you can take a lot of solace in because those times when you have goal droughts and you're not able to finish, you're, you're trying to defend a nil nil constantly. So now you have a bit more belief that you can find the back of the net. So, you know, there, there's a chance for them. And like you say, Jacob, the, the bottom is closer than we may have thought. Um, originally how things were going for them well i didn't even mention eddie howe too at newcastle in 20th too so you know a lot of new faces in there but i do wonder what, what do you think of norwich's ambition to, to hire dean smith in after seeing villa struggle so much with with the team he has i mean like the result aside that this is the move norwich really should have made after yeah. we know yeah. they're a yo-yo club right now yeah because i mean Norwich is similar to the clubs that he's managed before Villa and Brentford. They're young. They're a very young team and he, they do kind of play a bit of attacking football. And I think, his, you know, I think his style suits that team. And I don't think it's the end of the world if they get relegated because they're a team that does exceptionally well in the championship every year anyway. So maybe to us, like the yo-yo mantle is not great, but to the ownership, it's financially viable and it doesn't really hurt the team that much so i think dean smith is a good manager to help them through the premier league if they get relegated good through the championship and, and to that point i mean right away you know he's played billy gilmore and Cantwell, two players that have kind of struggled to get in the team previously under daniel farka for some unknown reason i just can't understand it uh, but i wanted to go back to one thing it's just reminding me about manchester united you know we use the term pukening you know, to be pooped or to get pookied and very, very, various forms of the word. But I think hiring Ole was like after the uh, PSG match in the Champions League was the original pooking. I mean, you, you got pooped. You got yeah. duped and pooped on. Yeah, sure. To think that VAR was the reason that Ole was, was stuck at Manchester United. There Macy's you go, Chris. Like, <laughs> we have that go. to think. Peter, join me. Y'all yeah, always <laughs> complain when I talk about uh, the 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 Ed Woodward and the structure of the the club, but it's not that game. It's the people making the decisions oh, yeah. that rode off the wave to do that. So definitely. And in other manager news, Arteta and Klopp getting into it on the sideline at Anfield after Liverpool. Uh, I I would say at least in the second half destroyed Arsenal four nil. Um, what what do y'all make of that interaction? That I, I, honestly, I'm trying to compare Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James to those two. Uh, a lot of energy, a lot of energy at the sidelines this weekend. Yeah, I've never seen Arteta that mad as a player at all. You know, because we you know we watched. He was a player that that played you know Everton and Arsenal for you know last ten years. Klopp is very intimidating. He's you know he's six four. Arteta looks like he's about five nine or something like that, but. That was that was aggressive, but also Klopp is so smart at those things, man. I think he tried to rile so him up smug. quickly after that. It was just like four nothing. <laughs> he does because he gets into it often. He gets into it enough that he kind of knows. Maybe it's his version of mind games to to an extent. I love manager battles, and and part of me thinks that Pep and Arteta themselves had like a Klopp dartboard or something in the in the Man City back room and Arteta's just like holding <laughs> on to these past uh you know vendettas it could be but as a player or sorry if you go into a prison or a schoolyard right they tell you to like pick on the smallest kid so everyone knows like you could beat somebody up you don't go pick up on the biggest kid in the schoolyard I mean, if I was a player then watching my manager just get 
you know, dominated by Klopp, who's just never, ever going to buy it back down. Would that give you confidence? Would that say, oh, I need to step up my game? I would laugh at my manager. I'd feel sorry. I'd feel, I'd feel pity. I'd feel shame. That is an interesting point because, you know, in the old days, like the Real Madrid, Barcelona days, Pep versus Jose, you'd see like half the, te- half the team would go and get yeah. into a massive fight. And it was pretty much a square off between the coaches and the assistant coaches holding them back. Chris, it stinks of uh, hold, hold me back, hold me back. I mean, he only got tough. He got tougher the more people got in between him and Klopp. That's how it always works. But, but it really does just show you like Arteta is feeling, was feeling the 4-0 loss or i mean at the time the tackle i think the match was it might have been nil nil at the time but like you could just no, tell it was no no it was no, no, no yeah you can just tell though how like these managers are are essentially on the field like some of these guys are just in the game you know and and that's what i appreciate we, from those moments i think my arteta for manager of the year prediction is not looking great what a lack of of, of tactics and the we're probably the worst way to play liverpool it's a blip I was talking to a friend of uh, a mutual friend of Chris and ours uh, about the game. And he, you know, he expected that, he expe- I, you know, it's Liverpool is so much further ahead than Arsenal are right now, just as an overall team. I know I wish I could have, you could have seen, they try to do something else because they just kept trying to play out of the back. And, you know, that just never works, especially at Anfield. If it continues to get like that, then maybe they'll be in a bit of trouble, but, the fact that they like turn, you know, their results around after those first three games is good enough for them right now. And you're right, Chris, they're sitting in, you know, your uh, fifth place. So I'll just, you know, Liverpool, you guys didn't get out of second gear and still uh, boss them. And uh, it's just another great performance with a, you know, rotated squad seeing Ox out there was, uh, was good seeing him. I think that was his first 90 minutes in like two years. So it's good seeing him healthy. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement, but it's crazy, you know, how much <clears throat> that West Ham lost before the international break hurts Liverpool. I mean, still sitting four back on Chelsea. That's just how good the top teams are this year. That like, you can't really drop points, and, and you know, Chelsea sitting high, three points ahead of City in, in first right now. So we got a lot of predictions to make this year with the Across the Pond Prediction League. You can make those picks at AcrossThePond.co. All 380 matches we're predicting, and we actually today are fortunate um, to be joined by uh, the ATP leader, Jessica Charman. Um, she's our oracle this week, but also quick shout-outs to um, the leaders this month. we got Ase Ropa in the lead for November with 13, Goat Cheese Trumpet Noise in second with 12, and Husker Don't with 10. I still think we have we have at least one more match weekend That'll go into this to win some prizes. But we've got Charmin, who's the ATP leader right now. Our Oracle, Charmin, I mean, first of all, share a, share your knowledge. You're, you're five points ahead of Miles right now in the month of November. Firstly and foremost is remembering when the games are. Let me say that. Like, I think I'm not only the ATP leader, but the most improved by like 27,000% on last year where I think I picked like four times. So number one tip is making your picks because you got to be in it to win it, right? Like Always. that's the key, the key topic. But, um, you know, I just, I just go with a gut feeling. Like I, I hate to say it like that, but it's just, you got to go with your gut and, um, you know, not, not do what everyone else thinks it's going to be because at the end of the day, if you just pick the way that you think the game's going to go, you're going to draw with everyone all the time. So uh, so when tell us comes, what you're thinking. I think Watford's going to take the win again. Uh, I watched wow. the game and I think we talk so much. We talk so much about Man United not doing very well. 
that I think we're forgetting that Watford came in with a good game plan. They didn't play badly, you know? Um, I think that oftentimes when big moments like this happen, when, you know, if Ole hadn't been fired, would we have talked so much about how bad Man United were or would we have talked more about how Watford have improved, you know? I think they've come a long way that they've, you know, defended well. They're playing exciting, exciting soccer. I mean, it was 4-1, but you have a penalty saved twice, you know? So right. uh, I think they come in and they're feeling confident and, you know, I have that, uh, a lot of friends that are Watford fans and you can tell that their fans are truly believing as well. And I know it's a difficult game. I think it's against a Leicester away from home, but you know what? You, you're coming off of a high. You, you're coming off of a good performance. I think it was a 1-0 loss against Arsenal with 10 players. So they're, they're, they're finding their flow. So uh, I'm going to bid and bet on uh, the Hornets improving as well. Hey. I like it. I like it. I think you're on to something there. Definitely, yeah. uh, they're playing Leicester, and Leicester are not in a great vein of form. And probably, if not for Ole sucking up all the oxygen, we'd be talking about some other managers you know, potentially on the hot seat not doing as well. Yeah, shout out to Watford. Uh, you know, great performance uh, by most of their players. You know, Tom Cleverly, Craig Cathcart, Ben Foster, Josh King, four ex-United players just uh, really putting the performance in. Josh King said that uh, they just watched the Liverpool game to see how they uh, could beat United, and it clearly worked. Just pressed them. And Ranieri is couldn't achieve the same success after Leicester, and but he was he's been modest um, in Italy, so I, I still think he's a very solid manager for them. So I hope they stay up. And the, the Watford schedule actually has these little patches that sort of fit together where they could pick up, you know, four, four, six points in a row. Uh, th- this run, I think it's challenging after Leicester there uh, play Chelsea and Man City. And, but then you got Brentford and Burnley and then followed by two harder games. And then you have this nice little patch uh, in, in January where you've got Newcastle, Norwich, West Ham and Brighton. And I think there are points to be, to be picked up there if they can kind of continue that momentum. So yeah, really- and that's it. Sometimes it's so funny how the schedule, Jacob, can have such an impact on the way that games go. You know, like it can really give you that advantage, whether it's a series of home games or a series of games against struggling opponents that it's once you find those goals and yeah, you get that momentum and belief. So I'm feeling more confident about Watford staying up. You know, I wasn't feeling that way earlier on in the season, but they're playing well and they, they've got some good additions to the side and performing nicely. Well, let's see if Charmin's right. You can make your picks at acrossthepond.co. Again, a lot of prizes to be handed out this season. So many more matches to predict. Don't forget to make the picks, as Charmin also said. We've got, what, four teams that have been so winless for so long. We've got Brentford winless in five, Everton winless in six, Brighton now winless in seven, and Newcastle just straight up winless uh, <laughs> with no wins this season. Maybe maybe some of those teams can can you know get, get some dubs. Y'all, we we've got Champions League, Europa League, Conference League this week. Some big matchups in Champions League specifically. We already talked about United against Villarreal, but uh, Chelsea, Juve, Man City, PSG, Liverpool, Porto. Any particular match you're you're watching in, in Champions League this week? I think both PSG, uh, Man City, and um, Chelsea, Juve will be pretty interesting games. Both games kind of will decide who tops their groups and you know it's just the big games the big champions of games seeing the best players seeing weston mckinney <laughs> play against christian pulisic is always a, always a plus but um the man city psg i'm really going to pay attention to because these pochettino rumors are 
heating up. So I just kind of want to, I really want to pay attention to that press conference tomorrow um, and just see what's going on there. But uh, yeah, they'll both be good games. I'll be watching Atletico Milan. I know the results haven't really gone for Milan, but I like that team. Seeing them in that first match versus Liverpool, giving them some problems. Uh, there's, there's still a chance that you know one of those two teams can leapfrog Porto in second and still make it through Liverpool looks set to make it through the group stages. And then lastly, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch that, that Manchester United game. Uh, I am taking off work tomorrow for other reasons, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be free at 2.45 Eastern. In fact, this is the first Champions League matches I've, I've got to watch since being back on this side, uh, in this hemisphere. Oh, So I'm very excited not to stay up uh, till all hours in the morning. For the hipsters. I'll be, I'll be watching Reading take on Sheffield United, so, you know, don't envy Ooh. me getting to watch that glorious game with Reading and their six-point deduction. Come just, on, guys. Just don't, don't. Hopefully, Liam Moore doesn't get any crosses thrown his way because you know he's not winning it. God, he's appalling, right? <laughs> oh, my man. captain! Oh, captain! Uh, love the guy, but the vertical of a turtle. West Ham, West Ham, continuing their their Europa League campaign, y'all. Watch out! Watch out! Yeah, they've uh, you know who do they play? Rapid Vienna. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they've been like pretty consistently good in Europa League, and we'll see how long that sustains i think they're great this isn't talking you know saying they're gonna fall out but it's just so many games europa league and the league's coming up and you already saw angelo obana he's out for the season right and west ham do have a notoriously small squad and again that europa league schedule the further you get it's a grind i obviously know so yeah and those champions league teams dropping in to play them too uh i i'm not too worried about that peter at least for maybe this weekend immediately they play city uh, at the weekend, uh, I think away to Manchester City and rapidly in are in fourth place. Man- uh, West Ham are four points clear of Dynamo Zagreb in second. You know, maybe we'll see some of that squad come out a bit more. Hopefully, you know, Mikel Antonio, keep those hammies intact. My fantasy team needs you. Back to the Champions League, one side note. For the for the hipsters out there, pay attention to Lille Salzburg. I think that'll be an interesting game. You know, Lille. Tim Weah, Jonathan David, you know, one of the top, you know, top young uh, strikers in Europe. And also, you know, he's killing it with Canada right now. Leo also have Renato Sanchez and every good player comes from Aldry Salzburg. So, you know, you have to see Brendan Aronson from the U.S. team and uh, Kareem Adeyemi, who's the next big striker who's linked with, you know, Bayern Munich, Liverpool, um, Barcelona, all, all these teams. So that could be an interesting game to see. Make sure you catch those matches midweek, y'all. And don't forget Conference League. You know, Conte could still win Conference League. One one more shout-out uh, on the pod. Jacob, you're, what, 69,000th in uh, Fantasy Premier League right now? Nice. That's right. That's right, Chris. You know, I thought I was concerned about you catching me. And, you know, it's a long season, happen. man. I want to know. It is a long season, and I hopped up uh, about 120K slots this week. Uh, where's Miles? Mr. I want to do fantasy. Let's do a fantasy. For the last five years, we've heard how great fantasy <laughs> EPL is. Quiet. And this man is, is real quiet. He's not even in the top 20 of the ATP league. His own very, you know, creation. That's his brainchild. And we're killing him. We're blowing him out of the water. It, it's sad, Jacob. It's sad. <laughs> it's a sad. It's a sad state of affairs. Uh... Poor guy. All right, y'all. Uh, no listener questions this week, but we'll, we'll put those prompts out next week. In the weeks to come, uh, any final thoughts, y'all? Happy Thanksgiving. What are yeah. y'all thankful for, huh? 
Any any last things you want to say that you're thankful for? Well, health, obviously. I mean, that's a given. The uh, fact I'm not going to get a red card in my adult league like Peter tonight. <laughs> <laughs> how do you know? How do you, how do you know? Charm, I, I you, you, you strike me as a red card uh, acquirer. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I think I took a little bit too much trash, too. <laughs> I'm thankful for Mikel Antonio saving Jamaica, although I, I'm shocked that Jamaica still has their manager. <laughs> Talk about somebody who doesn't deserve the job. Damn. Yeah, I'm thankful for I'm thankful for uh, FSG. I know they got a lot of shit, but man, the overlords could be so much worse. Company man. You got the company man right here. He's also he's the one guy that said the Glazers were good. So, you know, he just loves all the owners. Oh, <laughs> yes, I oh, say the Glazers no. were good. Yeah, you did, bro. Good. All right. Mm, yeah, I right. said they were good business people. If you look at the numbers, you the business, say that. it's a good business. I did say that, Peter. I did. Yeah. I, 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 I agree to find disagree. the tapes. It's good to find the tapes. F- FSG, though. Yeah, they're, you know. They're doing they're the best the of the ones, worst. I guess. They're the best of the worst. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, y'all. You can find us at acrossthepond.co, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. If you're in the UK, I don't know, Charmin, what they do over there this week. They probably just laugh at us. Happy Christmas. Christmas is coming. Let's go. <laughs> oh, no. Here comes yeah, the Christmas okay. music. All right. Oh, no. Well. Oh, uh, for this one's for Miles. Uh, find yourself a Patty LaBelle sweet potato pie and enjoy it. Patty LaBelle Pie. She's making millions on that.